Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review movies, TV shows, trailers, and everything else pop culture. I'm joined today by my co-host and competitive Pokemon card tournament champion, Emmett. Good to be oh. back. Howdy. Ahoy. All the variations uh, of hello. Yeah, we've been uh, on our vacation, a little hiatus break Have between we? shows. I can't, I can't recall us ever being away. <laughs> <laughs> I've been live this whole time. <laughs> We've been chugging away here, plugging away, chugging away. Where did I, uh, whatever. I'm at, <laughs> clearly, we haven't done this in a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, we're, there's a little rust to be shaken off after a month off. <laughs> oh my god, so much. What is? What so have you been getting into uh, during your time off? Any good shows or? Well, movies. there's been a there's been a lot of content I think that's come out, so I've I've definitely had my plate full there. But I have um I have recently uh started to venture out into the world and started to kind of like see what's out there, you know. Now that things are kind of lifting back up again, um, and then I promptly came back home and realized that I was actually more happier indoors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to pretend like I didn't get the vaccine just so I can tell people that, oh, sorry, I got to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still waiting for my second dose here, guys. <laughs> I can't come out to hang out. Uh, on, on a side note, you ever get that feeling where, like, are you getting invited to things and you're just like, I I do want to go. I really do. But at the same time, I'm just like, I've gotten so used to the ebb and flow of staying indoors. Uh, nothing crazy. I'm still keeping it to very small groups, uh, right now, but a couple like weddings here and there. So some were like online, which which is fine by me. And then a couple are going to be later on in the summer. So I think by then pretty much everyone should be vaccinated those. So I'm going to, yeah, ease my way into things. Yeah. I got a zoom wedding coming up. So that's definitely going to be an interesting (laughs) thing. You only need to get dressed from the top half. That is very true, and conveniently very well, because at the moment, my local laundry um, laundromat is definitely not in service. So, And I refuse to venture out more than two blocks away to do my laundry. <laughs> anyway, that's too much information, I guess, to share <laughs> at this stage. Um, we missed a lot. I feel like uh, we have quite a bit of a catch-up to, to kind of do, which I guess essentially is what this, uh, this episode is going to be, right? Yeah, this is our May... April catch up uh, on trailers that have come out, uh, shows we've been getting into, and then just you know general news. We should probably kick it off with the news. I think there's a it's a pretty hefty hefty amount of things to kind of go through. At sure. least seemingly, <laughs> I feel like we could probably go through this quite um, pretty big. But I guess the biggest news to kind of come out in the last couple of uh, of weeks is the merger or the potential merger between Warner Media. And Discovery, uh, which reportedly has come as a result of two CEO buddies golfing it up, uh, <laughs> oddly enough. But yeah, if, if you haven't been following this, I don't know if you like got a chance to take a look at any any of the articles that came out because I know that when the announcement came out, um, people were like a little confused as to what exactly is going on with it. But I, I haven't followed it closely. Just the major headline. What does this uh, impact wise mean? Basically, it sounds like um, AT&T created HBO Max as kind of like the big challenge for Warner Media. And by Warner Media, like we're talking about Warner Brothers uh, Studios, we're talking about HBO, HBO Max, any of that stuff that kind of falls into that umbrella. And DC Comics, to just kind of name a few things. But basically, it sounds like they, they haven't been really enthusiastic about the results that HBO Max has uh, garnered for them. So while I think they have shown some promising results in the last couple of months, there has also been like a lot of hassle. And so AT&T being uh, more of like a telecom company, they're not really they're not really interested, I guess, in managing some of this stuff. So they're looking to sell Warner Brothers off. And I think the plan right now is to merge Warner Brothers with Discovery Media and basically create like an all in one service encompassing all the ips across both companies which is pretty massive um but the the reason why this is kind of impactful is because this this puts a lot of 
uh, brands and just kind of, I guess, uh, channels together where you normally wouldn't. And what I mean by that is, like, take something like TLC or any of that reality TV stuff. Well, that's now going to fall under the same umbrella of Warner Brothers movies. So it's definitely a very big change in the business. Um, and I think something that you and I have kind of talked about before, we're pretty tired of, like, the 100-plus different streaming services here. So maybe what this does for the consumer is just kind of condense it all into less to be having to pay for. Yeah, I think this could be the first domino of mergers that we'll see. I wonder if this merger, maybe just because it's the first one, is this too big to merge with something else? Or just either take over like one more thing or, or be taken over by someone else who merges into a bigger conglomerate? But this definitely could be the first domino in, in that series of how everything was splitting apart to show value of their IP um, now is going to be just restructuring deals, basically. Yeah, and essentially this is everybody's... um, Well, not everybody, but Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, and these other like publications that normally cover this kind of stuff are saying that this is the biggest um, merger since the sale of Fox Fox Studios over to Disney a couple years ago. So... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. We're still at the early stages of it. I don't know exactly what this means, but there's a lot of speculation of like, does this mean that Warner Brothers can now sell off stuff like DC Comics? Um, just because they've been looking to get rid of that wing for a while. I wonder um, what this does for like cable. Like, will they put TV on HBO Max or? Um, I think that that's what was kind of toyed around with before. Because basically, at some point, they were looking to phase out HBO proper and just kind of have everything live under HBO Max, uh, including the live TV portion of it. I just there's a lot more questions, I think, that we'll need addressing in the the coming weeks just to kind of see what ultimately they're planning on doing here. But I've never seen something like this happen where like they're they're openly saying like, oh, we're definitely going to take these two companies and merge them together rather than it being like a straight up sale. That's kind of the boring news of (laughs) of the of of the week. Um, The big one that caught my eye was that our fearless leader is now Disney's fearless leader. Dave Filoni was promoted to executive creative director. Uh, So basically all Star Wars decisions are going through him, right? I take it that that's what that means i don't necessarily know and actually something kind of weird that a lot of people were pointing out is the fact that uh dave filoni was actually promoted to this position a year ago and they just decided to update the site recently but really (laughs) yeah but apparently something that um they might be trying to downplay it uh but He's not the only executive creative director that they promoted, but two other people whose names are escaping me at the moment <laughs> uh, were also promoted to to this to a similar position. The reason why this is significant is because Filoni and the other two uh, folks are basically um, students of George Lucas. Like they were, they were there when George Lucas was running the company, and they were in charge of the, a lot of the creative projects that were. Uh, running when George was in there. So that's why people are looking at this as like a pretty significant uh, thing. It's because it seems like um, Kathleen Kennedy or anybody else that kind of has their uh, wheel at the driver's seat over there is finally taking notice that uh, people or the fans want these guys to be in charge of the creative decisions rather than it be, you know, some sort of like uh, faceless suit. Yeah, the I think the reactions on Twitter after every single project that Filoni's been involved in has like given him all the credit, and um, there was a lot of uh, cheering and and retweeting and all that stuff for when it was announced. I'm just glad he's getting recognition because I feel like he's like one of those guys that obviously he's been with the company for so long, like he his whole thing was clone wars before and it's been it's cool because like if if you've been following the clone wars 
uh, in terms of like from the time it was released back in 2008 up until now, anytime he would go on um, interviews, he would always talk about how his his dream was to direct live action Star Wars, and here he is now. You know, he made it. He did for, for all of us dreamers. He's done. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's also kind of. Um, a little bit of a tangent here, but he he used to go on like fan fan podcasts and actually do interviews with people who didn't have that much of a big following. This was back when like Clone Wars was fresh and new. Um, obviously he stopped that after the Disney acquisition, just because Disney doesn't play that way. But yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was cool to see it because obviously he's he's a big fan uh, of what he's doing. So I think that also helps in terms of like creating quality content. And I hope that this is a turn for the better in terms of the direction that star Wars is going in. Yeah. Not he was like some of the best parts of the, like that director's round tables of Mandalorian season one, when they did that little series afterwards, all the stuff he said was really resonated with, I think every fan out there. Oh yeah. Episode two of that series was amazing. When he talked about like the arc of, um, of the Skywalkers from beginning to very end, yeah, the the importance of Phantom Menace, I had never, yeah, had never looked at it that way in terms of the duel of the fates actually being the the fate of Anakin. So, anyway, I I think it's a really good um reflection of where Lucasfilm is taking things, and I'm happy to see Filoni get the credit he deserves. Yeah, definitely. A um, couple of Marvel news kind of hitting um, hitting the waves here, but Marvel f- further committed to releasing their movies in theaters, uh, and then they're vouching to ditch the Disney Plus day and release dates uh, for anything um, that they're coming out with. And this is going to be all obviously post-pandemic, but um, I've never seen them more confident in this strategy. Obviously, you and I have been kind of critical of them not just releasing Black Widow at this point. Uh, but they're they obviously are very passionate about keeping their movies in theaters rather than releasing them online. I kind of get it. They released that really beautiful, kind of touching, kind of manipulative trailer about going back to the movies using Stan Lee's um, uh, monologue there from. Yeah, I, I don't remember where that was from, but that was pretty beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was also like I just want to watch it from the comfort of my own home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm torn. Like, I get it. I, I, they even showed like the crowd's reaction to Endgame back then. But oh, chills. I know. I, I, I do. I can't wait for the day when we're back in packed theaters and it's safe and everybody's able to kind of go and you know not be too stressed out about it because I kind of do miss that release date reaction from crowds, even though sometimes I just can't stand it. <laughs> um. But yeah, so they're they reaffirmed their stance on it. Um, so and then even, it, even Black Widow won't be released on Disney Plus. Black Widow will, but basically anything after Black Widow, they're saying that they're not going to do the Disney Plus uh, same day release uh, thing. And it's really not the same that like HBO Max is doing, where they'll do like they'll release it in theaters, and then next week it releases on HBO Max. Marvel is going to do same day release. With Black Widow on Disney Plus, but obviously you'd be paying that thirty dollar uh, right, right. fee for like the first month or two months. No, you get to keep it. Apparently. Well, when does it become free? I guess to watch on Disney Plus. For everybody else, it'll be like three months after. Three months, okay. Yeah, which I think is fair. You know, yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's totally fair. They did it with um with Mulan. It just didn't fare all that well. Was it three months? I feel like it was only a month. For 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 Mulan, I feel like it was, wasn't it? It was no, so it was released in September, and then it went up on Disney Plus for everybody else in December. So oh wow, just about three months, I think, or maybe I two, still haven't I watched it. <laughs> so it didn't really matter for you. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, also in in Marvel news, it seems like um, and this is something that's kind of hitting the presses right now, but. It sounds like Marvel may be facing an uphill battle in releasing Shang-Chi and the Eternals in China. For anybody really? unfamiliar with the way that China releases their stuff, China only allows a set number of American movies to be released um, in their country. So you kind of... Marvel's always been kind of flirtatious with China in their relationship with 
with them to try to like get their movies up in the front. They've gotten some harsh criticism on, on Shang-Chi. Uh, and, and truth be told, I think mainland China in particular is very critical of any foreign movie. By that, I mean like there's different like cultural issues, let's say. Um, to put it into perspective, when The Force Awakens was coming out in China, they would only allow the movie to be played if they removed John Boyega from the poster. Yeah. <laughs> And um, they had to make a couple different changes to the uh, to the script in order for, to appease the Chinese censors. And so a similar thing is happening with, with Shang-Chi, where they're being hypercritical of the lead, Simu Liu. Apparently, because he's not a mainland China actor, they do not, they kind of view it as like... An insult. An insult, yeah. Um, for lack of a better term, I guess. But... I think a lot of this isn't so much a reflection of the people feeling that way. It's more so the government just kind of doing yeah. their thing over there. Um, I mean, they did the same thing with Black Panther. Black Panther almost didn't get a full-on release in China. Um, Chadwick Boseman's uh, face wasn't allowed to be on a lot of the material for marketing over there. So y- you can kind of see where why this is kind of to be expected. You know, It's so crazy. It is crazy. But um, Chloe Zhao, who directed The Eternals and actually directed Nomadland, I think she won an Oscar for it. But um, she she's directing Eternals. She was very critical of the Chinese government in a piece she did right before um, Oscar season. And so that's why uh, they're thinking that The Eternals is probably not going to release in China because obviously they're pretty bitter about it, too. So kind of sucks. It's a big market. It is. It's... um. I think now it's about a quarter of all the money that's earned worldwide. So you can kind of see why people um, in studios are very focused on China. But double-edged sword, I guess. Any other news before you want to move on? Um, last bit. Uh, apparently, we're supposed to be getting a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer in June. Oh, it wouldn't be a news segment if we didn't have a Spider-Man update. Also, my cousins and my cousin's cousins are both in Spider-Man No Way Home, playing themselves. Yes. <laughs> no, but they might as well be because <laughs> there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's a lot of people crowding I up. That for movie a second, you were about to be like, "Yeah, we they they were like on the street and they made it as like background actors." They might as well. We might as well be in Spider-Man No Way Home. I feel like there was a flood of all these, like, oh, X person that has joined the cast. Love to be, like, somebody who was on that, uh, <laughs> the Staten, Staten Island Ferry in the first one. That no would have been mind, Just, like, clapping for when Iron Man shows up. I want to be, like, the one victim that Spider-Man can't save, but you forget about him because he's just, like, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's, like, news segments that says, like, Spider-Man, let this person die. But you don't get a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Or make me a Daily Bugle reporter. I wouldn't mind. Wow, okay. You would go to the dark side. Yeah, might as well, right? (laughs) But that's about all the news I got for for this week, so... (laughs) Nice. Do you want to jump into the trailer reviews that have come out? Yeah, I think that's uh, hot off the presses, I guess, right? In in a way. Um, The one one that came out a couple weeks ago, uh, probably about like one week after we had stopped recording the Falcon and Winter Soldier series was Venom 2. Yeah, that one came out of nowhere, to be honest. I thought they were delaying it for a whole of the year. It seems like they have a lot of footage already put together, or at least enough for a trailer. And it looks like it's going to be hilarious, and it's going to have great action in it. Yeah, it definitely feels like the um, the first movie, I guess, or full continuation of it um i was telling you this before like before we started recording but like i'm just glad they fixed uh woody harrelson's hair hairdo i just couldn't stand it <laughs> in that after the credit scene for venom one speak for yourself <laughs> that was a horrible wig you gotta admit yeah no, it, it didn't really make sense um you ever were you off put a little bit by the the red that they're using on 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 carnage there I don't really know Carnage that well, so I don't know if I really care. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, supposed to be, like, blood red, and, like, the red that he's got on it it seems more orange in the trailer. It looked red to me. Then again, though, red is hard to capture on movies, too. Like, I feel like it's a 
if you go a little bit too dark, it's just it's maroon. It looks blood red in the trailer to me. I think you're being nitpicky. Probably. <laughs> I just like my reds to be red, you know. I think um, I think one thing that still is surprising to me is that Tom Hardy did the voice of Venom, and I remember when you told me that after I saw it. I think I saw it like twice in theaters, and <laughs> I didn't pick up on that at all. But uh, when you mentioned it to me, it's it's crazy that they like changed up his voice. I I thought for sure they brought somebody else in. Yeah, no, apparently he did. Um... He, I forgot what interview he was on, but he he mentioned about how he spent like a couple of days in the booth, in the recording booth, uh, just recording different um, sounding lines for uh, Venom. And then I guess they like took it into the sound lab and just like mixed it and made it one. But I, yeah, I, I was with you too. Like I, I didn't think that was him actually making that voice too. So what is Carnage's like background? Obviously, it comes from the same planet as Venom, and Venom in this interpretation has been kind of like turned into a good guy, as opposed to my knowledge of him in Spider-Man, where he was the bad guy. Yeah, Venom has always been a little bit of an anti-hero, with the exception of his first couple of appearances. I think um, initially it was like a grudge thing between Eddie Brock and Peter Parker. Um, but, uh, Carnage is straight out a villain. <laughs> um, the character of, uh, that's being played by Woody Harrelson, Cletus Cassidy. Um, he is a convicted serial killer. Uh, in, in the comics, somehow, um, the Venom symbiote, uh, is attracted to, to, to Cletus. So, like, a part of him, a part of the alien basically comes out of Venom and, blends in with uh what with cletus so it it forms this new uh living being so basically carnage is essentially the offspring of venom mm. but um how did he Car- get into um, i wonder if they're going to answer that how he got into woody harrelson's character i don't yeah i that's going to be a tricky one because in the comics it made a little bit of sense in that, I, and I could be remembering this wrong, but I, I believe uh, he gets released from prison or he escapes from prison and somehow ends up in a confrontation with Eddie Brock. And that's how he gets a piece of the, the Venom suit. Because basically in the comics, the Venom alien is very vicious and bloody and like always starving for more. And so Eddie Brock is at the core a good man. So he's trying to like kind of stay stave off the feeding frenzy that could come across uh, with him, and so he just the alien just gets tired, tries to split from him, and that's how you end up getting carnage. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. I really enjoyed the the first one, so I'm happy this is coming out this year. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I the first time I saw that first movie, I didn't really enjoy it all that much, but. Upon rewatching it a few times, I think uh, it kind of ages a little good, a little bit better than I expected on me. And this is going to be only in theaters, according to what their their plans are. So, like you said, with Marvel. Yeah, this is a fall release, right? It just says coming soon. Oof. Well, <laughs> hopefully it does. <laughs> we'll see how it, it kind of goes. Like I said, I th- I thought it was delayed for another year, but I guess uh, I guess I think the last different. one came out like early october if i'm remembering right yeah not so la- obviously not last year but the year before i think it was was it this movie or was it the morbius trailer that the, the last one that came out that were like the morbius trailer came out during this movie it did right yeah so that's been really delayed wow yeah actually i think we we uh yeah hang on yeah right because i remember talking about this when our cubicles were next to each other. <laughs> wow, it's been so long. Okay. Yeah, two years. I know. Um, no, I, th- I thought uh, there was like a debate as to whether or not this movie was going to take place in the MCU because you had that cameo from 
um, Michael Keaton's Vulture. I think that was Morbius, though, right? I don't remember that trailer. I feel like it was. I got. I got to go back and rewatch it. But anyway, I thought there was just discussion of can these two merge into the same movie, and that's what I thought Spider-Man Three was going to be. It was going to be Tom Holland and this Venom, but apparently we're getting every single Spider-Man instead. <laughs> yeah, I there's um there's like a new agreement between Sony and Marvel that has everybody speculating whether Venom is going to be in the MCU. I think ultimately you probably will see them crossover to some eventually capacity. but i don't think for either of these two movies no no i think we're like a couple years away from that but yeah i'm, I'm excited so venom was a pretty big one and then um when we just got today which we're recording on monday the 24th the eternals trailer i love the eternals comics not kidding i don't know <laughs> Um, I think, what, what did you think of the trailer? Because I, I know we, we only saw it, like, maybe one or two times before we jumped I, on here, but... I thought it's got a cool soundtrack. <laughs> I thought it looks like it's got a really good cast lineup. I mean, we're talking Kit Harrington, Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kumail. Um, I don't know, I'm not that excited to watch it, though. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a Guardians of the Galaxy type situation. In terms yeah, are these of guys like, like funny or are they going to be like serious? Because they look like they should be totally serious with all their like stoic looking at how the humans are progressing, but then they're like making jokes about the Avengers. <laughs> well, the characters are essentially gods, and I think that's how they'll probably spin them off here too, because it's like, and, and if memory serves right. The function that they serve in the comics is kind of an explanation for like the ex- the potential existence of the Olympian gods, the um, gods of old, I guess, of, of some of the more ancient religions. Um, so I'm not too familiar with it. I think the only reason why I'm familiar with characters like um, like Icarus, uh, like uh, I think Minerva is also in this movie. Um, and the Black Knight is because of they all. There's these are all creations of Jack Kirby. Um, so for any comic book nerd, like Jack Kirby is one of the big, I guess, founding fathers, right, <laughs> of of comic books uh, for both Marvel and DC. So and he came up with the most trippiest stuff, uh, all the New God stuff. So like the characters like Darkseid, Granny Goodness, that kind of thing from DC. He's mm-hmm. the brains behind that. So. If you ever think of like, if you ever think there's a character that's ridiculous that's showing up in the MCU or in DC Comics, chances the chances are good that it probably came out of the mind of Jack Kirby. Um, so, in that sense, I'm very interested to see what they do with it. Uh, Kevin Feige and a lot of the producers over at Marvel have been hyping this movie up, saying that this is a really good quality movie. Uh, that they apparently were very surprised that the um, quality of it uh, at their last screener. So Chloe Zhao is directing from Nomadland. So I mean, they flex really beautiful shots, and the CGI looks amazing. So I don't know. I can trust. I can still trust Marvel to produce something of high quality. It's just like this trailer doesn't get me hyped up for action or or even just understanding who or what they are. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't give you much to go off of. And and I feel like, as I was making the comparison to Guardians, I feel like that first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy kind of did a really, really good job in explaining who those characters were. That's the thing. It's If you're doing a deep dive into comic books and not the average fan will know what's going on, you need to do a trailer that explains why this is an important one or why this was chosen to pursue and give a 200 million dollar budget i don't think you can just do like a like guardians of the galaxy 2 doesn't need the education of who they are it just needs like here's what you can get excited about here's what songs are going to be here's what action you're going to see but guardians 1 exactly it has to explain who they are right and i think that they did a much better job introducing those characters than than here because you i think you're left with more questions at the end of this trailer than 
any sort of answers. And I feel like that's fine. But present us with something. The the trailer looks beautiful, like you said. I think everything visually looks great. The cast is looks incredible. Yeah, it's I a just, November it's a November movie, so we'll definitely I think probably get two more trailers. I think we'll probably get one more lengthy one in the summer. And then you get one of those like last minute thirty second, forty five second spots. I'm just excited to see Angelina Jolie grace the silver screen again. Cause, Are you? Yeah, I am. I, hello? She's, I, okay. She's still the queen in my eyes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I am, I'm excited. I just don't know what exactly to be excited about. Um, it just looks like a good, it's good setup um, in terms of behind the scenes stuff for, for a good movie. Uh, I just would like to know what the movie's about. So. Yeah, especially how it ties into Phase 4. Because Phase 4 is really... It's still hard to figure out what this is about. Like, right. Phases 1 through 3 for Marvel, you could easily tell that the first one was about setting up individual... Like, the main characters. Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. And then having them all fight a common enemy. And then Phase 2 and 3 were building up Thanos and other characters to support the big Avengers endgame this feels like i don't know what direction we're going in are we just introducing new characters is there going to be a common threat i think it's just an introduction of the new era it feels like it anyway because is there a phase five yeah they've they've planned up to phase six at this point jesus <laughs> yeah i know it's it's hard to believe though because like this is We've only really gotten the Disney Plus stuff, right? Like, until we get Eternals, until we get Spider-Man 3, we haven't really gotten the actual continuation of the movie. Oh, yeah, no. It's, so, Phase 4 has only been two Disney Plus shows. Yeah. I just, I don't which know. Feel, which felt more like Phase 3 continued. It did, yeah. And I, th- I think it's because none of it introduced anything necessarily too new. It, it would just explain what would happen next with the pre-existing characters. Right. And that's why it feels so comfortable to start watching WandaVision or watching Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, but this maybe just feels like a stretch for us, and maybe that's why, because we don't know what's going on. Yeah. I'm hoping they kind of turn it around, though, and just kind of give us a little bit more perspective on it. And and chances are we will the minute that Black Widow gets released, because then hopefully they kind of hit the ground running with it. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, and this I think this will be something I need to just look up and understand who each of these characters are and their importance in the comics. And maybe that'll get me more excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Icarus and Black Knight in particular, have some of the more very interesting, kind of trippy elements to their stories. Like, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of trailers, it looks like we got it. Is this our first? No, I think it's our second Loki trailer, right? I think it's the first. I could have sworn we got it. No, wait, no, I think they did like a whole Disney Plus thing before and we got like a glimpse of Loki. So yeah, I think you're right. This is the first one. And it looks kind of... um cuckoo <laughs> it does it, it it's giving me uh wandavision vibes yeah it? it's got like adjustment bureau vibes to it where it's like there's some sort of organization looking over the world and i guess the universe technically on in this scale but just making sure that nothing goes too chaotic in terms of timelines and distortions and it looks like this is where loki goes with the Tesseract when he escaped. So this was one plot line that I'm very excited to explore because it wasn't answered what was going to happen in Endgame. And it's what every fan talked about at the end of it. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, that was so beautiful that Tony like snapped for everybody. But what happened to Loki? Yeah, I hope this kind of answers it. And I, I know people are being a little bit critical about like, oh, this isn't the same Loki that we technically fleshed out in the last couple of years, so why should we invest our time? But I feel like the Disney Plus shows up to this point have been really good at fleshing out these characters, so I don't doubt that they'll do the same for for Loki here. Is it not the same Loki that disappeared from Endgame? 
It is the same Loki, but what people were being critical about is like, oh, it's you killed off the Loki that went through Thor two and uh-huh. um, and Thor three. Which I mean, like, if we like Loki as a character, we probably shouldn't subject him to Thor two in general. But you know, like, I I, I kind of get where they're coming from. I didn't think about that. This is Loki who's still evil, but <laughs> but um, we kind of already know that he's not necessarily a bad guy. He's just kind of yeah. He has the capability of returning back to being a good guy, but. I think he always had that, regardless of what he was doing in the original Avengers. One thing that, um, I don't know if this has been discussed all that much uh, outside of like a couple of interviews, but I know we're supposed to be getting alternate versions of Loki. Uh, just like in the comics, there's different versions of uh, of Loki. I think there's like a storyline where he splits his personalities out. Mm. Um, so apparently we're going to get that story blended in a little bit and there is a very big uh version of loki that people are getting a little bit hyped to see because it's it ties into the whole young avengers theory so we'll see we're we're supposed to get a lady loki we're supposed to get um kid loki and kid loki is supposed to tie in with uh the young avengers team yeah i was i was reading this article that was just kind of speculating about the casting choices that they've made up to this point. Um, and a couple of comments that uh, Tom Hiddleston has said regarding the show being very, very trippy on the Doctor Who level. So could be. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, I want to see the mayor version of Loki. <laughs> <laughs> this show just looks like a lot of fun, though. Like, and I didn't think I would see Owen Wilson in the Marvel project, but here I he know is. This, that's very exciting for me. I, I like I like Owen Wilson a lot, so I want to see how weird he can get in this in this movie or in this show. I think it also kind of ex, um, this uh, at least the trailers for the show kind of exemplify Marvel's willingness to like not take things too seriously with their universe because um, they tend to have a lot of fun with it, and I think that it comes across really well, especially when you look at stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. So. I hope that's the vibe that they continue with it. It looks good. And um, I do hope we get those alternate versions of Floki. Yeah, I think the having more fun with it is something that kind of started around like Guardians of the Galaxy Ant-Man timing. I feel like they were very serious, like all business before that, though. They may have had a few like, throwaway <laughs> joke lines, but none of the like phase one movies were lighthearted in any way yeah except for thor 2 it was all lighthearted in thor 2 true (laughs) if you consider it all satire yeah yeah (laughs) um and then they added a trailer onto our list here but i don't know if you got a chance to see it but they're gi joe's making a comeback this year by releasing a snake eyes spinoff movie this is off my radar. Please enlighten me. Right. <laughs> well, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, was a 1982's toy line from Hasbro. <laughs> uh huh. That's all and I now got. He's back. And now... <laughs> well, interesting. Did they fact make one here. movie that like really flopped? They made two movies that really. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they made a uh, G.I. Joe: Rise of Cobra. I forget what year that one was released in. That one was really bad. That was the one with Channing Tatum. Right, right, right. And then they made one with The Rock and Channing Tatum, but Channing Tatum only lasts for three minutes. Spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> what if I was going to watch that? No, I'm not going to. You ruined the whole trilogy for me. No, you don't understand. I saved you from having to watch G.I. Joe 2. <laughs> um, G.I. Joe has always been an interesting property, but I think every time um, people look at the cartoon or anything, the, the big the two big characters that you take out of there are the characters that are like, I guess like the Scorpion Sub-Zero type relationship of rivalry. And that's Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, the two ninjas from the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they decided to make a movie just about them. So I guess smart choice in terms of like playing up to the strengths of the IP, right? Um, Unfortunately, yeah. it's going to be like Mortal Kombat where I think most people are just not going to care about it. I actively dislike it. I kind of fear that you might be right on that. 
Um, I was surprised how much hate Mortal Kombat got. Like, you knew it was going to be um, not good. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed like the the like original Mortal Kombat players from back in the day really disliked it. Yeah, I don't know how to take that because I feel like from what I've seen, the reaction has been mixed to the movie itself, but the majority of people actually liked the movie. Mm. And the only reason why I say that is because like in terms of box office returns, the movie actually made a pretty good um return given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know. But I think that might actually be it. Is like <laughs> people just want something new to go see. That, it, yeah, and that thought crossed my mind too. Um, but I think that if you buy into the reaction of like a lot of the gaming community of like anybody that's covered Mortal Kombat seems to have a pretty positive reaction to the movie. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. And and I think all of this is really hard to read, right? Because we're in uncertain times. If, if we weren't in this position, if they made like, if the movie came back with like an 80 to $90 million return, on opening weekend, I think it's pretty solid entry. Uh, but yeah. you don't get those metrics right now, so it's it's, it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. I, Plus, it's also there's no competition. Like that's true. Well, after Kong, right, and nothing's come after it really. And it did comparatively on track with what Kong Godzilla versus Kong made. At least the initial run of it. I don't know if it lasted. Um, if it had the same, I guess, like energy that Godzilla vs. Kong did, but you saw it, right? You got a chance to watch it? I watched it. What'd you think of it? It was okay. It was like, um, uh, it wasn't as good as like a 300, but it was in that style. Yeah, I, it's just like kind of gory and that's what you expect because it was Mortal Kombat. I enjoyed it, um, for what it was. Yeah, and, exactly. And what I mean by like, like I, I agree with what you said. Like, you, you, we didn't think this was going to be like brilliant movies, you know. Like, all I wanted to see was somebody tear somebody else's heart out, that kind Spinal of thing. Chords, yeah, yeah. All those X-ray moves from the video games, um, <laughs> and I got that, so I loved it. <laughs> um, the one, the, the one big criticism I'll give this movie, and I and I think if you ask any like Mortal Kombat fan, they'll be on on board with this. Um, I didn't like the fact that you they felt the need to introduce a character that is not uh, from the video game, uh, the Cole Young character from who's supposed to be the main character in in this movie. He's not a Mortal Kombat character, um, and the characters that people did want to see, like Scorpion and Sub Zero. I think they got like five minutes of screen time throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I get that. Even I though didn't know they're the like, wasn't. yeah, well, they're right at the forefront for the marketing material. So it's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, you know, you bought your ticket for uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero, but then you come out and you're like, oh, the, I got five minutes of solid gameplay there. <laughs> and that's yeah, it. that's true. But I wasn't like an original player, so that's probably why. I have different thoughts on it than them what else what else have you seen i feel like uh there's been quite a bit that that came out uh it's hard to keep track of everything but i feel like um between trailers and new shows it's like we've gotten an onslaught of things now the big one i think that we both have gotten to watch um i hope you finished it but uh was shadow and bone on netflix we had talked about it a few times uh before it came out yeah, I actually got a chance to, to finish it last weekend. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. And and to be honest with you, when I first saw like a trailer for it, it, it kind of struck me as a CW-type show. So I was like, oh, yeah. I'm probably not going to like it. Yeah. And two episodes in, I was kind of hooked. Same. I was like, as soon as like the first one ended, I was like, all right, I, I don't want to have to admit it, but I'll, I, I want to watch the second one right now. <laughs> like, I finished it inside of a weekend because it was just like, I got to know what happens next. And it some of the episodes felt kind of repetitive. Like, they didn't really make that much progress going from one portion of their journey to the next. But it definitely was uh, refreshing. It kind of felt like Game of Thrones season one vibes where it's like 
you don't know any of the characters and you're just watching to like, st- like hold on as long as you can to understand the plot and then it'll start clicking. Uh, I'm really excited for season two to come out whenever that is. Yeah, the, the dialogue was really nicely written. And I think that that's uh, a testament to just how committed they were to, to fleshing out the show. Um, the other thing, too, is like Netflix is getting really, really good about releasing these shows that are very cinematic in quality. And I'm not just talking about the visuals. I'm also talking about like it, like the money seems to be being invested well. And this is like a prime example of that. It, yeah, it, it's really important for if all these networks are going to split apart from each other. It's really important to come up with um, a re- like a show that will be a reason for you to come back to them or stay with them. And I don't know if this has gotten the uh, recognition it kind of deserves, I think, it. I would say. But this could be one of those shows that's like, this is a reason to keep your membership if you're thinking about it. Yeah, it definitely is. And I feel like there's no there's no better time than right now to really be dropping shows like this where I feel like you, you have an almost like a captive audience <laughs> in a way. Um, but this is the kind of show that I was hoping that I, we would have gotten last year uh, while we were kind of starved for content. So I'm glad to see this find a home and I'm, I'm glad that we're we're getting col- content that's as solid as this because I feel like Netflix is just chugging away at more, uh, giving us more and more. And every money, every um, sorry, every year it seems like they're investing more and more money into their uh, budget. So nice to see it's being good, wasted well. Any other shows or movies that you've been um, keeping your eye on or giving a go? Um, sticking to the Netflix um, airwaves here, uh, Jupiter's Legacy dropped. This one's a show that, contrary to Shadow and Bone, I stuck it out. Because I feel I felt like I needed to give it more than just the first two episodes. <laughs> it's not a perfect show. I'll I'll be I'll be upfront about that. But I think it's a very enjoyable one, especially once you give it a little bit of time. By episode three, things start clicking and and it starts uh, getting really good. But the reason why I stuck out so long is because I really enjoyed the comics. Um, and this was like a limited series by Mark Millar. Uh, for anybody that's kind of scratching their heads a little bit, but being like, I kind of remember that name. Uh, it's the guy behind Kick-Ass, the movie. Uh, and Kick-Ass 2. Um, and a couple different ones. I, th- I think he was... Uh, he actually kind of co-wrote Sin City as well, if memory serves right. But um, the show gets good. It's, uh, it's this show about... The this group of superheroes, like I guess a combination of the Justice League and the Avengers, um, and it focuses on the relationship they have with their kids, who are basically uh, pale imitations of their parents, and they're trying to find their way and navigate through this world that's like very used to superheroes. Uh, the show is a little trippy, and it takes a little bit of building to get to, but it, it comes to a good point, and I think it ends on a really really strong note. And I hope that Netflix renews this show for season two. Because uh, knowing the storyline from the comics, it does get a lot better. So if you have a chance to check it out and you've got nothing to do <laughs> on the weekend, um, give it a go. I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I saw the, um, like the thumbnail for it. I didn't click on it or give it a chance. So maybe with this... Um recommendation maybe i'll give it a try yeah yeah like i said just uh give it a little bit of a shot i know the first episode or two is a little tough to kind of get through but it starts getting to a good point around episode three um and lastly for me at least uh i got a chance to watch uh, those who wish me dead on hbo max oh yeah this is the angelina jolie action thriller they might as well call it like Tomb Raider three or two. Wait, was there a two? I think there was. There was a two, a two but she wasn't in it. Oh, okay. Well, this is the real Tomb Raider two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a good movie, but um, th- there's something I'd like to kind of criticize on it, but it's a bit of a spoiler. So I'll just 
I'll leave it at like if you're looking for a good action movie, you don't want to pay too much mind to to too many details. I think this is a really solid movie for that. Um, it's one that I probably wouldn't have seen in theaters if I'm being completely honest. Uh, but Angelina Jolie kills it. Uh, John Bernthal's in this movie too, and he's pretty good. Um, and then for those Game of Thrones a- actors, uh, Peter Baelish is in this in this show. Mm, Littlefinger. Yeah, he stepped away from the brothels for a bit to <laughs> get his hands dirty for once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's got a solid cast. I, I think overall the movie was enjoyable. Uh, but if you're looking for a good action movie, this this is it. Very nice. Well, it's good to be back, Ivan. I'll say it, man. This has been a weird couple of weeks without a lot of content coming out since we've been kind of spoiled since October. Uh, so it's good to be back. We'll be back more regularly now. Uh, we're going to be picking up the Loki series, and then we'll have some of these movies that we talked about here as well as some other ones coming out. Uh, so we'll definitely be looking at all that. If there's anything that you guys are watching out there that you want us to talk about or check out that you think has gone off our radar, uh, feel free to tell us about that on Twitter, at BT4thWall. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.